to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles, go back to Exodus chapter 15, Exodus 15. Father, I thank you for your word once again tonight. I thank you for what you're, you're doing in our hearts and in our minds, Father, and that we are receiving all the benefits that Jesus so wonderfully provided for each and every one of us. We thank you that everybody at TCVC is walking in divine health. Thank you that every single one is healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, according to your word in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, Exodus chapter 15, go back to verse 26. And God said, if thou wilt diligently, verse 26, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that does what? Heals me. Now we looked at this last week and we found out that a lot of things in the Old Testament, if you get born again and just read the Old Testament, chances are you are really going to be messed up after about six months. You've got to understand that the Old Testament is different than the New Testament. It's under a different dispensation. It's under different sacrifices. It's under different everything. So you cannot live out of the Old Testament. You can use the Old Testament for references, for types and shadows, but you've got to live out of the New Testament because the New Testament is under the blood of Jesus and not under the blood of bulls and goats. How many of you know that? All right, we found out last week that God does not put these diseases on anyone, but he will allow these diseases to come on you because of what Adam did. Adam sinned, and when he sinned, the curse came into the world, and basically it opened the door to sin and sickness and depression and disease and all these things. And basically God came and he offered an umbrella or an insurance policy to the people so that they wouldn't have to live in sickness and disease. And he told them, if, say if. Every time you see an if in the Bible, how many of you know that is an if that means something has to be done by you? In other words, it says if, if, if you do this, if will happen, then that's the way it is. That's the way God works. So it says, if you will do these things, if you will hearken unto the word, if you will do the word, you will not have any of these sickness and diseases come on you. In other words, they gave them covering, they gave him a protection, and basically he tells who he is. He says, I am the Lord that heals thee. Now we know when we were born in the kingdom of God, how many of you were born in the kingdom of God? Well, good. Thank God. That's great. We don't have anybody here that's not. That's good. When you're born in the kingdom of God, actually healing became a right. It's not even really a promise anymore. It is a divine right for you. It came with your package to enter the kingdom of God. So when you got born in the kingdom of God, how many know heaven became yours? We were just taught that heaven was all we got, but heaven is part of what we got. It's part of the kingdom of God. So when you're born in the kingdom of God, peace is on the inside of you. Joy is already in there. Power is already in there. Healing belongs to you. It is a divine right that God paid for you on the cross of Calvary. So the day that I got born in the kingdom of God, at that time, healing belonged to me, but it took me many years to find out that it did belong to me. So basically, most of the time, I was praying to God for healing, but he already had given me healing. So you can pray to God for power for 40 years of your life, but it's not going to do any good. You know why? Because you've already got it. And you, if you don't know you have it, you will never appropriate it in your life. But if you know that you have it, then you can put it into action in your life. So here he says, I am the Lord that heals thee. That means if you are sick or have anything wrong right now, God wants you healed. If you are healed, God wants you to stay healed. You need to be completely convinced that the Lord wants you healed in order to walk in divine health. You must be completely convinced here the Lord introduces himself to three million people. Who is he? He is the Lord that heals you. Not just, the, not just your Lord, but the Lord who heals you. Notice he's not the smiter. He's not the curser. He's not the punisher. He's not teaching you a sickness and disease. He doesn't want you to be sick at any time in your life. So he is the Lord that heals thee. All right, go to Numbers chapter 21. We're going to look at some things tonight that if you just read the Bible and skim over the top and read it, you could really get messed up on some of this stuff. So we're going to explain it to you because when you start going out and helping other people with most of you in this church will, you'll have an opportunity to run into people who don't know anything about the Word of God. And that's your responsibility to sit down and actually teach them 
Everybody in here is becoming a teacher because they're becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you will have that opportunity. So people are going to come to you with questions, and unless you can answer those questions, you know, according to the Word of God, you're going to be in trouble because everybody's got stupid questions all the time, praise God. All right, Numbers chapter 21, are you there? Here's a story. It says, when the king Arad, the Canite, which dwell in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel, and he took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hands, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel. He delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of that place Hormah. So here we see the Israelite people. Basically, they ran into trouble. They ran into somebody by the name of Arad. He was a Canaanite. He did not like the Israels. He started fighting them, killing them, putting them in the prison. So the Israelite people, like they always do when they get in trouble, they went to God. And he went to God for help. So God said, all right, praise God. Now, how many know it was God's will to deliver this people? So basically what happened, he came to a point to where the Israelites actually destroyed the Canaanites and destroyed all of their cities. Look at verse 4. And they journeyed from Mart Horb, the way of the Red Sea, to compass the land of Eden. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Pastor, T I mean Moses. <laughs> Sorry. Whereunto have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread. Now here they were. They did, just had a great victory. Hallelujah, we defeated the Canaanites. We took all the day bread down. And I mean, one verse later, one verse later, what are they doing? Their soul got discouraged. Say their soul got discouraged. And what did they do when their soul got discouraged? They spoke against God and they spoke against Moses, who basically at that time, I mean, you know, he was the pastor. Unless, when you teach the truth of the word of God, you are going to run into people who don't like you after a while. And because what happens in their life is going to be contradictory to what the pastor is actually teaching. In other words, if I teach health, divine health, and you know somebody who dies, there's an opportunity for you to get offended at the one bringing you the truth because the truth didn't work in that situation and they get mad at you. We've lost a lot of people in this church because they had a relative die and I'm, I say that by the stripes of Jesus you're healed and their point is, well, if they were healed by the stripes of Jesus, then they wouldn't have died so you don't know what you're talking about. But how many of you know the word of God is above anything going on in the natural? I mean, you know there's people out there who are actually going to hell but they're saved? Come on, he already paid for it. It's already there. He's already... He, he went to the cross for everybody. How I many know he just didn't go for me and you? He went for everybody. But they're going to hell. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that they have not got the revelation of what it is yet to move up. So here the people's soul got discouraged. Say the soul got discouraged. Now remember the very first one that we had. God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our as our what? All right. Now this soul is what? Discouraged. Do you think that's a prosperous soul? No, it's not. All right, look at verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, once again, if you're reading this, what does it say? Well, God got mad at these people. He, he, he hates these Israelite people. They just don't listen to him. So I'm going to send a bunch of snakes, and I'm just going to bite them all over the place, and I'm just going to teach them good lessons because I'm mad, and I'm against them, and I'm against these people. Now, if you're just reading the scripture the way it's written here, you can get a place where you can get awfully afraid of God. How many of you know that? But notice, God doesn't send serpents to bite people, and it certainly wasn't God who was biting them. Here it says it was a serpent. And why do they do that? Because they murmured, and they complained and they were critical. What is that? That's choosing the curse. Remember last week we talked about you can choose the blessing or the curse. So notice there's some danger things here. We can get just out of this verse here. It's not good to be critical. It's not good to complain. It's not good to murmur all the time. It's not good for all those things. Why is that? Because basically, and, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Keep your finger there. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 9. It tells us to neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by what? 
serpents, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples and they were written for our admonition upon the ends of the world to come. So what's he saying here in Corinthians? Remember what those stupid people did back in Israel when they murmured and complained and they allowed those serpents to attack them? They did that so you wouldn't do that. See, you don't want to murmur, you don't want to complain, you don't want to get critical, you want to get a discouraged soul because you do. It opens the door up to the curse, which is basically demonic, the serpents there. Basically, so these people chose the curse by murmuring and complaining against God and against Moses. So how many know dis discouraged soul? And notice, the only reason why your soul's discouraged is because you're murmuring and complaining. That causes a discouraged soul. You can't be praising God and your soul be discouraged. You can't be yelling hallelujah and going around the house and talking about how good God is and your soul be discouraged. So that is a way that discourages your soul and puts you in a place where you're vulnerable to attacks of the enemy basically by being critical in areas of your life. All right, look at verse 7. Therefore, because of this, the people came to Moses and they said, We've sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Would you pray unto the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us? And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, and every one that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, he put it up on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now we're back in, we're back in numbers, do you all know that? All right, so what happened here? The people repented. How many of you know if serpents are biting me, I would repent too? And what did he pray? He prayed, Please God, take the serpents away. Now, did God do it? Did he do it? No. no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He said, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and if you look upon it, you will not die. Now, what if they looked upon it? What would happen? What if they didn't look upon it? But what if they looked upon it? What if they didn't look upon it? Now, whose choice is it again? Is it God's choice? No, it's not God's choice. It was up to them. Will you look upon it or will you not look upon it? It's entirely up to you. Which are you going to do? So basically, when, when sickness or symptoms try to come into our life, you've got to know what you're looking at makes a difference. If you're looking at the symptom, you're in trouble. If you're looking at the promise, you're in good shape. And that's in every year. That's just not, that's finances. That's every You're either going to look at one thing or the other. And here it says you need to look at what was provided. And notice it was a serpent on a pole, which means Jesus went to the cross, basically suffered, took all your sin, the curse and disease, and died on that cross. That's where the place of blessing was manufactured right there. So where he says is anybody that looks on that is going to be fine because they look at. How many know? If for people, it depends what they're looking at. If they look at Jesus, their Lord and Savior, how many know they're going to end up in heaven? How many know if they reject Jesus, their Lord and Savior, and don't look at him, how many know they're going to go to well, God sends people to hell. He's not that very nice. No, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose heaven or hell by the knowledge they get and, and they, they reject it or the knowledge they get and they accept it. It's totally up to them. So notice, God could not remove the serpents because he has to basically put them in a place where they either look towards the blessing and go in that direction or they stay under the curse. And this is why even when, you know, sometimes ministry is too quick and too easy. Sometimes when you deliver someone from whose demonic place or under the curse or under something else, they need to be taught to look in a different direction because if they look back in the same direction after the deliverance, it's not going to do them any better. And the Bible teaches if they look back that way, they will have more problems than they did before they had the problems. So it's more than just kumamaka, come out and walk away. And they, even if they get free and they don't change the way they think or what they're looking upon, you can end up in a worse situation than you were before it came out. Are you listening tonight? So it makes a difference what you're looking at. It makes a difference what you're doing. If God could get the people to look at the place of blessing, if God can get you to look at the place of blessing, if God can get you to look at the curse being defeated, of you being redeemed, of you being healed, of you being blessed, then you can walk in these things, basically. But it's not up to God, basically. It's up to you. All right, look at verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So what does it tell them here? We need to look at the blessing, don't we? We can't look at the curse. We need to look at the blessing even when we're under attack. And how many know that's when it's really hard? That's why it's always important for you in your prayer time to look at the blessing and thank God. See, there's a lifestyle you can live and you can stay free of everything. How many of you want to know that lifestyle? How many of you want to know? It's a lifestyle of PT. 
PT, praise and thanks. Amen. Praise and thanks. Praise. Well, I'm going through hell right now. I just praise God. Hallelujah. He delivers me out of everything, and I just thank God that I'm delivered today. Praise God. Oh, that's gone. Praise God. It's good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you. If we'd stay in that area rather than, oh, no, here it goes again. Oh, God, music's too loud, music's too soft, music's too long, music's not new. I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like anything in there. And the Bible says if that happens, then a seed of bitterness comes into a place. It's not going to come in here because we'll throw you out. Amen. <laughs> we got too much discernment in here. Somebody came and say, somebody's causing trouble back there. We just throw you out of here and get you someplace. We'll let you go contaminate some of the other church, praise God. And that's why you got people out there who get offended and then go to the next church, but they're still carrying. And that's just what you want is a new person who's carrying a bunch of fences coming into your church. And then they want to keep them there so they give them a position. So now they're head of the children. Every child in there is offended now and they're mad and they're bitter and the parents can't find out why. It's because the teacher came in. Come on now. This is real life stuff here. Praise God. So hallelujah, we're not going to do that. We don't do that. We don't criticize. We don't do things. We can suggest. We can talk. We can make a conversation. But all these things are very important as far as walking in divine health. And we all want to walk in divine health. Praise God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, we need to be totally convinced that God wants us healed. Chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. So here it says we have to be convinced of God's willingness. Basically, when you're convinced of something God will do, that is what faith is. When you're convinced that God's going to do what God said he's going to do, that's simple faith. And in every situation that comes, you don't need anybody else's report. You need God's report and to believe his report in spite of circumstances and situations because his report is the report that you want. And when you get to faith, faith removes all doubt of God's will and also who God is. Does God want me healed? Yes. When? Always. I feel good today. Does God want you healed? Yes, he does. Next day you get up, feel bad. Does God want you healed? Well, I don't know. I don't feel very good today. I feel pretty good. No, he wants you healed all the time. It was provided on the cross 2,000 years ago. Your healing actually came then. You know, when I got born again, Jesus didn't fly down here and die on the cross again on December 21st, 1985. It was already provided a long time before that. I just received what was provided. It's the same way with healing. It was already provided for each and every one of us, and we're in the process of receiving so here it says, he who comes to God must believe that God is. God is who? God is who he says he is. He's not through who the pastor says he is. He's not through the TV. It's who he says he is. And he already came to three million people and said, I am the Lord that does what? Heals thee. That's his name. So don't change his name. Don't make him the God who might heal you. Don't make him the God that could possibly heal you. Don't make him in mind that if you, if you suffer a little bit, then he's going to heal you. No, he is the God that healeth thee. And notice it says here, he is a rewarder. Say a rewarder. Now notice, God does not say, oh, they're doing pretty good down there. They've really been good lately, so I'm going to give them a little healing. I'm going to reward them. The reward reward here means because of, not as a reward. In other words, I walk in divine health. and I get, What's my reward? Because I do that, I have to walk in divine health. It is a result of, not as a reward for. Are you following me? Tithing's the easiest one. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, and what will automatically happen? The windows of heaven are open. God doesn't reward you. It causes spiritually the windows of heaven to open, and he pour out a blessing upon you. So when I seek God and I walk by faith, it's a result of. It's not God saying, well, I'm going to reward them. Here's a... Here's a dollar here. Here's something over here. It's not what it is. It's a result of what God tells you to do, like the Israelite people. If they heard the word and obeyed the word, then they would walk free of sickness. It's not God to say, let's see, are they at that point yet? No, that's not the way God is. It's all been provided for us, basically, and it's entirely up to us. So that would be our reward, basically, is basically as you walk in the things of God, you walk in divine health. They go together hand in hand. All right, go to Psalm 105. Yes, you may. So, um, so God did, um, he is the one who created the earth and the 
blessing to protect us as a parent would like a, like if we did do so the way he sends the blessing is the way the curse can be sent on us if we make that choice the blessing and curse are already in the earth god did not send the curse adam but he cursed the land it cursed the land it cursed everything and then. That, that's where it came from is what I'm saying. and that curse is still here today yep and the blessings here today but we choose by obedience that's why he says obedience is better than sacrifice. sacrifice all right psalm 105 look at verse 37 talking about god he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble that word is sickly there was not one sickly person among their tribes so the lord introduced himself to three million people he brought them forth not only with healing and disease but notice he brought them forth with what else Silver and gold, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. So they were rich and healed, weren't they? So this is three million people. They were healed. Not one feeble, sickly, weakly one among them. Now, if that can happen in the Old Testament, I believe it can happen in this day and age. And we don't have three million people in this church, so it's not going to take quite as much to get everybody lined up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So now if it's true under the law, redeemed by the lamb blood under the old covenant, then it should be true under grace that you can have a people who are redeemed by the blood of God and who walk in divine health because he is the God that healeth thee. Now, here, here's the problem with a lot of us and, well, with all of us. Basically, when the people came out of the desert and they were rescued out of the desert, even though they were rescued out of the desert, they still had a desert mind. I mean, they were trained in there for years and years and years, how to, how to do things, how to not do things, how to everything. So they came out with a victim, with a bondage-minded, with a, you know, being taskmastered, being ruled over, being a servant. But even though they were out, how many know their mind was still in? Are you following me? So their mind had to slowly be renewed to their new lifestyle of no longer being a victim, but being a victor, but walking in victory. Now, take that to us. We got born again. Hallelujah. We're in the kingdom of God. But how many know the day we got born again? Spiritually, we're here. Soulishly, we're here. So we're still back here. So basically, we're, we're going to walk in unforgiveness. We're going to walk in offense for a little bit. We're, we're going to get mad at people. We're going to be critical. We're going to act like a baby. We're going to do all these things. Why is that? Because you're still a baby. So there's got to be a renewing of the mind to take us back to the mind where we were born in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ himself. Now, we don't have that mind. We're going back to that mind, but it's available. Say it's available. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. How many know that's a pretty good thought life, basically, when you have the mind of Christ? So even though you come out into the kingdom of God, you still have to renew your thought life and your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye by the renewing of your that you may know the perfect will of God. So what's happening here, slowly but surely, we're being renewed back to our old place where we're no longer servants, we're no longer losers, we're no longer slaves, we're no longer sinners, we're no longer... But now how many know there's churches out there that teach you that stuff? So if I want to teach each and every one of you that, yeah, God loves you and you're saved, but you're a sinner, you're going to live like a sinner. You're not going to have any boldness. You're not going to have any excitement. Why? Because you're a sinner, saved by grace. That's all I am. And that's where you're going to live. You're going to live in a victim mentality. And how many know we have many Christians out there living in a victim mentality right now simply because they've been mistaught on who they are and what God actually did for them. God already had those people. He already had a bunch of losers. He didn't go to the cross to make more losers. What would be the point in that? No, he went to change us totally, praise God, back into the image and likeness. As he is, so are we in this world, the Bible says. So what are we doing? We're changing the way we think. We're trying to get out of this discouraged soul. We're trying to get out of this bondage-minded soul. We're trying to get out of this. The only problem is they don't tell you how to get out. They tell you to wait for God to get you out. In other words, God is in control of everything. So if I come out and I'm in bondage and I'm not getting out and I'm telling God to get me out, help get me out, do something to get me out, and he don't get me out, how many of you know I'm not going to like God? Come on now. Is that right? Why should I serve a God that won't even get me out of my mess all the time? And he's supposed to be getting me out of my mess because he's in control of everything. If he's in control of everything, then why am I sick to begin with? And why am I broke right now? And why don't I have a house? And why am I living on the street? If God loves me so much, why doesn't he do anything about it? What kind of God? I love God? See, that's our thought life going again. But when you find out he's not in control of things we are once we get born in the kingdom of god we got everything we need but in order to receive that say receive, receive. notice not get big difference big difference between trying to get something and simply receiving something yeah we receive things we don't get things why do we receive them they already belong to us 
They're already ours, or else they would say we had to get them. So then half the people try to buy their performance, perform, circus act for God. So he looks down and blesses them and heals them. Well, that's not what you do. You just need to obey what he's told you already here to do. Praise God. All right, go to James chapter 1. All right, James chapter 1, look at verse 6. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll go back to verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, how many know this is an important scripture here? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let that, that man think. Now, notice, some people waver and still think they're going to receive of the Lord. So they just keep wavering and thinking they're going to receive, and when they don't receive, guess who they get mad at again? Poor God. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get mad at God, but they don't understand they're wavering back and forth. You know, how are you? Well, pastor said I'm healed. How do you feel? Well, I'm sick as a dog, but I'll tell you what, if he says I'm healed, then I must be healed. But I doubt it. That pastor really don't know that much. I'll tell you that right now. And, and you're going, so you're going back and forth between I'm sick, I'm healed, I'm blessed, I'm not. I'm a, because the natural realm has a strong hold on you yet, and you're looking at the natural rather than the spiritual. But how many of you know you're a spiritual being? You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. So we want to live in the spirit, and God's words are spirit, and they are the natural don't help you at all, ever. I'll tell you what, even if you get healed because you feel good, you're in trouble because as soon as you feel bad, you're going to think you're sick again. Did you follow that? Oh, God just heals me, and, and all once you feel better, say, woo, I, I'm healed. Why are you healed? Because I feel better. And the next day you wake up feeling bad and say, I don't, I'm sick again. I need to, no, no. You're healed because 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and provided your healing. That's why. That what am I going to do? I'm going to stand on the word. I'm certainly not going to stand on my feelings. You stand on your feelings, man, you're, you're going to be a roller coaster Christian. Up one day, down the next. Up one day, down the next. So we can't do that. How many know the word doesn't change? God doesn't change. Well, I thought I healed everybody, but today I'm not so sure I did, and maybe a couple people should be sick. No, his word is forever and ever, and it's everlasting, and it belongs to us. So it says you cannot waver between God's will and receive from God. You can't do that in your mouth and in your thoughts. Because of wrong teaching, wrong doctrine, Old Testament believing, Christians are wavering all over the place. And here's a place of wavering. Here's, I wrote down some of the things when I used to waver. Okay? I've been through the waver stuff, and sometimes I almost end up in that waver stuff. It's a slippery slope, praise God. All at once, sickness hits your body, and you're standing for a day or so, and you say, well, maybe God just doesn't want to heal me this time. And your mind, you're not even saying it, your mind's just... Maybe he doesn't want to heal me this time. He did it the other time, but maybe this time he don't. You know, eh, eh. How about this one? What do I have to do to get God to heal me? Oh, what do I have to do? I still feel bad. What do I have to do? You have to believe and receive is what you have to do. So once again, we're waiting on God to do something, isn't he? And I'll tell you what, this is the word of God, but if you have a baby Christian and they don't function in unwavering belief, they can still receive from God because they're a baby Christian. Are you following me? Uh, but, but after being in church for 25 years, we've got to grow to a place where we walk to where we receive from God and know how to receive from God. Have you ever thought, why doesn't God heal me? Why doesn't God do anything? Why doesn't God? Why doesn't God give me that money I needed yesterday? Why do, whenever you get into why doesn't God, it means you ain't got it, number one. Right? Why would you be worried and questioning God why he didn't do anything if you, if you got it? If you got it, you don't have to question God because you already got it. It already belongs to you. So those, these kind of thoughts are going to come to you, but you're going to have to cast down a few of the thoughts. Every thought and imagination that comes against the word of God. So when these thoughts come, I had to cast them down. I still have to cast them down. If you think as a pastor, nothing ever attacks me, you are crazy. 
It comes, but I'm not going to put it in my, I'm not going to come before the founding. Oh my gosh, you guys, this week, your pastor, oh my God. He was under brutal attack this week, and he just don't know if he's going to make it all pray, join hands. Dear God, that's all I need is everybody going out and talk about me being sick, for God's sakes. Let's all the church come into agreement. Pastor's sick. Thank you. Thank you. That's really, really going to help me. Thank you, everybody. No. No, you won't hear about it, praise God. Why is that? Because I'm fighting the good fight of faith, praise God. And I was either healed or I wasn't healed, and I'm going forth. So you've got to be careful that you doesn't add to the fire. Say, add to the fire. And he's the Lord that heals thee. We have to be convinced. Look at verse 7 again. For let not that man think that he shall receive. Say receive. receive. Say it again. Receive. receive. So notice, receive of the Lord. We are receiving from the Lord what belongs to us. And the receiving comes through the condition of our soul, basically. Because our spirit man really already knows all this stuff, but the soul is stuck in the middle someplace. So for your life of health, you can't, you can't base healing on someone's opinion. You can't base it on the last prophecy that you heard. I hear a lot of prophecies. The Lord tells me that he's going to heal you. Just be patient. Well, the God's already healed you. Come on now, you're putting it out in the hope realm, aren't you? Now we're in the hope realm. Did you already said God's going to heal me sometime in the future? Well, no, you're healed now. A true prophet will bring you into the now. But people prophesy only according to their faith. Most of them prophesy only according to their hope. And then they get you in hope, and it doesn't help you because hope isn't the answer. Faith is the answer. See, I will be healed two years from now. Don't you want healed now? I mean, Jesus walked up to somebody and said, do you want to be made whole? And the guy said, well, I don't know. I can't get in the pool. I just can't really. I just said, yeah, heck yeah, but not him, see. He was already mixed up. Now, I don't every time I try to get in the pool, somebody jumps in there and beats me in. So I, he didn't ask him about the pool. He asked him if he wanted to be healed. And God says the same thing. Do you want to be healed? Well, I'd like to be, but I sure feel sick right now, and it don't seem to be getting any better, God. And I'll tell you, just don't. No. God wants you healed, and he wants to do that, but we receive it basically by faith. And faith is now is faith. Now is faith, not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, because it's already been provided for each and every one of us. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel 16. We keep jumping back and forth here, but it's getting all that dust out of your Bible for sure. All right, 1 Samuel 16, 14, are we there? Let's go back to 13. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now by now, when you read scriptures like this, it ought to ring a bell in you that there's something not clarified in that scripture. Here it says basically that Saul's, or that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I've dealt with this scripture a lot with people, especially new Christians. Why? Because through this scripture, they believe if they make a mistake, the spirit of the Lord leaves them. Why? Because here it says basically the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord came. So they said, my gosh, Saul made a mistake. He sinned, and he lost the Holy Ghost. And yesterday I cussed three times, so I probably lost the Holy Ghost. So how many know you have to once again, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you want to provide a, put your finger there, go to John 14. You have to have scriptures that verify that that's really not what this verse means. All right, John chapter 14, are you there? Look at verse 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you until you sin and fail, and then he will leave you. No, No, he will abide with you. This is Jesus. He will abide with you how long? Forever. Forever. 
forever. Well, I thought Samuel. Yeah, well, it's the Old Testament. You've got to search it out. Look what it says here. Back in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God didn't live in people. He came upon them to do certain things. So here it says, basically, we will have the Spirit for how long? Forever. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. It took me a while because I came into the kingdom of God, not just getting born again, but I came in in revival mode. You know, I came in with the presence of God all over me and all this kind of stuff. That it took me a while to understand these scriptures because when you're, you're born again and, you, and the presence of God is really strong and you got goosebumps on top of goosebumps all over and you feel the presence of God, after a few days, that presence wanes. And then you have to start wondering what I did wrong are you following me? What did I do wrong? What do you mean, what did you do wrong? What did I do wrong? The Lord left me. How do you know he left me? I don't feel his presence anymore. I don't have one little dog goose bump, no nothing anywhere on me, everywhere. And God left me. I didn't know by scripture that he did not leave me. And it wasn't based on my feelings. It was based on the word of God. So I went and I was in a prayer meeting at that time and I went to the prayer meeting and the leaders were there and I said, hey, I don't know what happened. God left, you know. Uh, he was all over me and God left and I don't know what took place. And they said, well, just repent and keep pressing in and he'll come back. And so these guys are ignorant. So they're telling me that I got to press in. So boy, I'm pressing in. I still ain't getting goosebump number one. And I'm doing everything I can to do it. And I ain't feeling nothing. I ain't getting nothing. And then, and I started coming across scriptures that said, my God, He'll never leave me nor forsake me. So whether I have goosebump one or not does not determine whether the Spirit of God is with me or not. The Word of God should be the determining factor whether the Word of God is not. And the Holy Ghost is with me today, tomorrow, goosebump, not goosebump, or ever goosebump. But I'll tell you, you'll get a lot more goosebumps believing He's there. Come on, then he's mad at you and off in the distance because he don't want to talk to you anymore. No, we all have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. He's with us forever. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as I have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So he's not going to leave you. He can't, you can't do nothing stupid enough to make him leave. You just repent and you move on. And that's where people get trapped again. They, they get, and then, then they wonder, even because they don't get the feeling back, whether he actually forgave them or not. Because if he actually forgave me, then I would have goosebump number one, or feel his presence again. But since I don't feel that, he probably didn't forgive me because it's probably a big sin. And, you know, you can't do a sin he hasn't seen. We think we're so special, you know. Boy, I did that. God, but God's never seen that before. He's going, oh, my God. That's 5,000,642nd time I've seen that in my lifetime, you know. So these things happen, but it's based on the word of God. My favorite, go to Psalm 139 yet, then we'll go back. Can I share something? Sure. Um, one time when I was wrestling with that, I, I felt that I did my worst to Jesus on the cross, and he rose from the dead. It did not, you know, it may have killed him for the moment, but he resurrected. There is nothing, nothing I can do against him that will stop him from rising from the dead and giving me forgiveness. You're not the one responsible for keeping him in the grave then? You're not no, going, good, not praise God. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and knows me. You know my downsitting. You know my uprising. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You compass my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go to get away from your spirit? Where shall I flee to get away from your presence? If I go up to heaven, there you are. If I make my bed in hell, behold, there you are too. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be the light upon me. Yea, the darkness hides not from thee, but the night shines as the day and the darkness as the night are both alike with thee. So how many of you know he's with you no matter what you're doing, where you're going, what's happening, what's not happening? Praise God. All right, go back to 1 Samuel. So here's Saul, he disobeyed God, and by disobeying God, basically the Spirit of God left that was upon him to be a king 
David was anointed at this point? Why did, why did the Spirit of God leave, and why did a demonic spirit come upon him? Look at uh, 1 Samuel 15. Just back one chapter. Look at verse 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Now this is the Lord instructing Saul of what to do as king. Wherefore then thou did not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. So he went basically and he destroyed them, but he didn't destroy them all. He took back some of the goods from them. He took back the king from them. He kept all these people. Verse 20, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've gone the way of the Lord that he sent me, and I have brought Agag, the king of the Malachites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Verse 21, But the people took of the spoil sheep, oxen, the chief of things which shall which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord their God. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, and I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, and because I feared the people and obeyed the voice. So here's Saul, basically. He was told to go in, destroy everything, kill everybody, kill everything. I mean, you know, when he got there, they had some pretty nice stuff, so he decided to take a little bit back with him. He didn't want to kill the king there. He wanted to take him back and show him what a victory he had and parade him around in front of the people. So basically, he disobeyed God. When you disobey God in rebellion and witchcraft, basically, it, he lost the anointing of God or the spirit of God. Once you lose the anointing of God, the anointing is there to break every... It allows yokes and burdens to come in to his life and into our life. So we have to be protective of the anointing that we have on our life because that keeps us free. I mean, no, the anointing is bigger than sickness, bigger than disease, bigger. But when you step outside the anointing, and the anointing is no longer functionable in your life, it opens a door and allows evil spirits to come in. So God didn't send evil spirits. He lost the anointing, and when he did, bondage came into his life because he was no longer under the anointing of God, basically, in that way. So it had nothing to do. The absence of the anointing leads to bondage. Now, how many know in the New Testament when the devil comes around, it tells us that resist the devil and he will flee. So we just have to resist the devil. As long as you're walking in the things of God, seeking God, do it. But now here it says that God's the one who sent the demonic spirits on him, the evil spirit of the Lord. Well, God also tells us in the New Testament basically to give the devil no place. So how am I going to give the devil no place if God's putting an evil spirit on me at the same time, i got quite a battle with God, don't I? Because yeah. I'm giving the devil no place, and God's putting the devil on me. I'm in a fight with God. So God doesn't put the devil on anybody. Basically, he gives us the ability to do what needs to be done. But notice now, the people here, he had some problems. Number one, look at the last verse, said, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You cannot be a people pleaser Amen. and walk in divine health can't be a people pleaser. You can't do things for that. And notice, how many know he looked good? He brought back all these spoils. Come on. He paraded the king around. The people are saying, what a great king you are. How wonderful. Oh, he's such a marvelous guy. And the whole time he was disobeying God in rebellion the whole time. But in the natural, he looked like a great leader, one of their wonderful leader. But he didn't because he never obeyed God in that situation. Are you listening? So it don't matter what you see out here in the natural sometimes, it's what's going on in the spirit realm that really makes a difference, basically what things are doing and how they're going. So he got an evil spirit, basically. It did not come from God. All right, let's go to verse... All right, let's go back to 16, Samuel 16. So Saul's got an evil spirit that came upon him, not because God sent it, but because he disobeyed God and rebelled. Look at verse 15. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles you. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, playing on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. All right, here we go. Twice more it says that God put the evil spirit on him. Now we know that's not true, don't we? That don't have to mess us up anymore. But notice what he told him to do. He, God didn't deliver him. Basically, he told him to find a guy who played music. 
Come on now. If you don't think praise and worship in this church is important. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'll tell you what, praise and worship has been so hot lately that I believe people are, are getting more and more free of things that they've been in because you can't find anybody not praising and worship anymore. There were times when we used to praise and worship years ago that was an hour of praise and worship, and you had three people standing up and the other 53, 63 sitting down watching what is going on. But now there's a, a spirit of praise has hit this place and a spirit of the music that's coming forth. And when you do that stuff, basically, it drives out anything in your life. You can't come in here depressed and praise and worship full blast and stay depressed. You can't do it. You can't come in here and doubt and unbelief and sit under the sermon that comes and not kick you in the hiney and get you free of that stuff, praise God. That's what we want to do. We want not only to get you free, but you to stay free and then come back. Don't come back for a life preserver every Wednesday and Sunday. You should be carrying the life preserver out to everybody else who's out there, basically, because what have you learned here and come back on fire? Can you imagine if everybody comes in here on fire on Sunday morning, what happens, praise God? Yeah, it makes a difference, praise God. There's an atmosphere that deals with this. So what did he do? He didn't deliver him then. Basically, he sent him that way, and when he did it with the music, it basically broke the yoke on him. So I'll get this right. If you're reading this and you're brand new, here's what happens. Saul's God's king. He got anointed by God. Then God sends after sending the Holy Ghost on Saul, Saul disobeyed, so God sends an evil spirit on him. God then sends a demon on Saul, and it's an evil spirit. But then God sends a harp player, and the harp player is going to play, and then he's going to free him from the demon spirit that God sent on his life. So one day God sends an evil spirit. The next day God sends the anointing to deliver him. The next day God sends an evil spirit, and the next guy sends it. Now, if you thought that God was that way, how confused would you be right now? You wouldn't know. God's good all the time. Not all the time. He's good sometimes, and sometimes he's not so good. So as you read these things in the Old Testament, you have to put them in the perspective of the New Testament and the New Covenant to make sure that they don't come in and they don't mess you up on what's going on. And some people actually believe that God puts sickness on people to teach them. I've heard it taught out there that God's trying to teach you something. Well, can we talk tonight? Oh, yeah. If I really believe that God was putting sickness on me to teach me, then it would be a sin for me to go to the doctor. Why is that? Because if God's really teaching me with something, why do I want to mess up what God's will is? I sure don't want to get healed at the doctor. I want God to teach me all he can teach me. Praise God. Hit me with this. See, it doesn't even make sense, does it? Well, God, God sent something on me to teach me a good lesson. Are you going to the doctor? Yeah, I'm trying to get rid of it. Why? Why if God's finally teaching you something? Oh, why do you want to get set free? You should pray for more sickness for God's sakes if God's sending on to teach you something. It doesn't even make logical sense, much less spiritual sense for God's sakes. So the Old Testament theology, you have to be careful because God, the Old Testament theology is God's responsible for everything. Whatever happens, good or bad, bad or good, that's what they believed in the Old Testament and that's where there was. But God does not send demons to minister. He sends angels, according to Hebrews, to minister to the heirs of salvation, which are me and which are you. Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 Kings 17. Are you getting anything tonight? All right, here's another interesting story. There's famine in the land. This is a story about the prophet and basically what takes place. There hadn't been rain in a long time. There was no food. There was nothing else. So in chapter 17, verse 10, it says, So the prophet arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but just a handful of meal in the barrel left, and a little bit of oil in the cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. I mean, no, that's not a very good outlook. <laughs> I look at verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Say, Fear not. Fear not. I mean, no, that's a soul condition, too. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee for thy son. Now, notice, here's a spiritual principle that would get you kicked out of pastoring. You see, there's nothing left. Nobody's got any. This woman's going to make a cake and die with her son. And the pastor comes along and says, Hey, 
make me a cake first. That pastor, no compassion whatsoever. Greedy guy is there. But how many know this was the Lord? This was the word of the Lord. All right, verse 14. We could stay there a while, but I'm not going to. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fall until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Now, what if she wouldn't have did it? They ate a cake and died. See, so once again, she had obeyed. Now, how you know it was hard for her to make that guy a cake first when that cake's going to keep me and my son alive. But she obeyed, and it's the obedience, once again, that brought her the reward. It wasn't a reward for her obedience. It was a result of her obedience. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat for many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Verse 17, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. How many know he died? Now, you can look at this a lot of ways. You can look at the declaration that she made earlier. We're going to have make myself one cake, and me and my son are going to die. Is that what causes? I'm not sure. Maybe it had something to do with it. But this boy died. Verse 18, So she said unto the prophet, what have I to do with thee, O man of God? Art thou come unto me and called my sin to remembrance and slayed my son? How I many know she got mad? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, carried him up to a loft, where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this widow with whom I surjoined by slaying her son? How I many want to know what God said? Nothing. He doesn't answer stupidity. He didn't say anything to the guy. He didn't even respond to him right now. Why? Here's a prophet. And this, this is a major prophet. How many of you know that? He believes that God killed his son. And he's coming to God. And he says, why, did you, why did you kill the widow? Why did you do that? Look at verse 21. And he stretched himself upon the child three times, now cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him again. How many know that was in line with the word of God and the God himself? So now he's going to get an answer, ain't he? So if you do stupid prayers, don't worry about them. He just does ignore them anyway. You know, how many of you ever stupid prayed? I have. I've stupid prayed before. I didn't get an answer from God. I didn't get nothing from God. I thought, don't you hear me, God? And he thought, oh, no, I'm trying not to, but you just keep praying the same thing over and over to me again. Yeah, stupid. Why did you kill this person? I and mean, you go to a funeral. This six-year-old girl, God just smashed her on the road and crushed her so Aunt Lizzie could get saved at the funeral. And no, God doesn't crush people to save somebody else. But we got that opinion that God's killing people, basically, and it's not that way. So verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came into him again. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God. Now, dear God, how many miracles do you have to have? <laughs> dear Lord, that's why we think we see one miracle and we're going to believe God more. Sometimes you see a miracle and you believe him less. Because miracles don't bring faith. It's the word of God that brings faith. See? So you think, you think when she had that darn cruise and, and all the stuff kept coming out of it and kept coming out of it and kept coming out, she'd say, oh, my God, God's wonderful. But no, then she accuses him of killing her own son. So here we go now again. What happens? Well, they're in a famine, and it's taken place. So what happened? God decides to kill everybody through a famine. But then all at once, he sends a prophet, and he doesn't kill everybody because he told them a way to get out. But then even though they got a way to get out, he killed his son anyway and got his son out of there. And now the son was dying, but he thought he'd heal the son who he killed beforehand to bring it. I mean, if you read these stories and you meditate on them, you are going to be messed up if you don't know what you're doing. But that wasn't the, what was going on here again. It's pretty explained out here exactly what to do. So God, did God send, send a, 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 somebody to kill his son? No. It had nothing to do with God to begin with. God wanted his son healed. Even the prophet wasn't helping in the situation because he thought God was the problem at the same time. So you can have people, well, I don't care what their title is before them, if they don't know, they can only teach you what they know, basically. And does everybody know everything? Absolutely not. We don't know anything yet, basically. But sometimes we know a little more than someone else does and, and teaches the Bible a little bit better, and other people will grow into it. When I first started preaching, I probably preached some of this junk. 
I mean, thank God there wasn't any tapes back there for God and somebody to find that stuff. But, you know, when you're first gotten out and you're reading this stuff, you can get a lot of stuff out of there if you're just seeking the Bible and trying to find out what's going on. I mean, it makes it look like God's killing everybody and sending demons on everybody. And, and, he, and you sin, my God, there goes the Holy Ghost again. He's coming and he's going. I can't keep track of what he's doing. So all these things you've got to get a grip on and understand what's truly going on. God is always good. Say, God is always good. Say, he is always the healer. Say, he's not the oppressor. The dividing line is basically the thief comes to, but I have come that they may have and life more. That's the dividing line between the two. And sickness is not life. Lack is not life. None of these things are life. Depression's not life. Or, or, I mean, or not life. Because the devil basically brings those things. But he wants not only life when you were born again, but he wants us to do life abundantly. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. Tony must have moved that clock up because it's almost time already. All right, here's a very important scripture. We'll just cover this one yet. Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the... Uh, so what was he anointed with? Power. Holy Ghost and with? Power. Who went about doing? Good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was what? So here's New Testament now. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, rubbed and smeared him basically with the Holy Ghost and with power, and Jesus went about healing how many? All. Oh, okay, now there's a discussion whether God wants to heal everybody or don't want to heal everybody. Some he wants to heal, some he don't want to heal. Depends what God wants to do. Depends how he's feeling that day. Depends how many people he already healed that day. Might have ran out of healing power somewhere along the line. So basically here it is. So here comes Jesus along, and that's what we believe, that he heals some and not others. And Jesus comes along and heals them all that nasty Jesus, because Father God only wants one or two healed. He don't want them all healed, and Jesus has a nerve to come along and start healing everybody. He should just heal every other one or a certain one or whatever. So that tells you right there that God wants how many healed? Wow. And Jesus basically is the representative of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the? Wow. So if Jesus heals all, then the Father heals? Wow. See, you can end these discussions, and people will give you the dumbest reasons and stuff, but you can find one or two scriptures and just blow them right out of the water, and that'll be the end, if they believe the word if they read tradition in that. So, all right, look what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed. Say oppressed. oppressed. Now, notice they weren't blessed of God. They were oppressed of who? The of the devil. Now, the word oppression here means they were under the power of and they were being ruled over by. The sick were under the power of and to be ruled over by. Notice, the word never says that you will get a cold. It says you will come under the power or the control of the devil. All sickness, according to Jesus, who he healed, had something to do with demonic power. But now how many of you know we've given them names, haven't we? You have the flu. You have the pig flu. The horse flu. The cow flu. The shoe fly, praise God. Whatever you got. But they're all names. And to us, you've got to be careful because you'll start accepting those names rather than understand they're coming from someone that you need to not get something from. The Spirit of the Lord gave us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And that sound mind tells me that anything that comes against my physical body is not of God. I don't have to receive it. I don't have to accept it. I shouldn't have it. And I'm going to stand against it because it came from someone else. And I'm going to give the devil what kind of place? No place. I'm not going to give him place up here. I'm not going to give him place down here. I'm not going to give him place anywhere in my body in my spirit, in my soul, anywhere. I don't want him in there at all. But all these things come, and they get candy-coated. I mean, no, that's what they do on everything. Yeah. They candy-coat everything. It starts out and just keeps getting more natural, more normal. And as people in the church, we're starting to get normalized with everybody else, and we can't be normalized. We've got to understand that we have a lot more. We are of a different government. We are of a different system. We are under different morals. We're under different laws. We're under different precepts. We're under different rules. We have authority that the world don't have. We have power that the world doesn't have, and we need to start using that stuff, basically, to walk in divine health in our life. So all sickness and disease is of the devil. Say it's of the devil, of the devil. and it doesn't come from God. God is the Lord that heals how many? 
heals us all. Hallelujah. All right, let's just pray, and then if you've got any questions, I'll take them. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening our eyes out to victory in every single area of our life. I thank you that we choose tonight to walk in divine health. We give you praise and glory for it. Holy Spirit, you are in charge. Anytime we start to move in the wrong direction, we thank you for your correction and your leadership. We thank you for continuing to lead us all in divine truth, and we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. the king